What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'll like season the flour, dredge the chicken as the oil is coming to temperature. But I would say that if you're just starting and you're nervous, you may want to even get your food prepped in advance. So then there is a little bit of downtime and it's a little like boring because you're like, okay, everything's prepped and ready to fry. And now I have to wait 20 minutes for my oil to come to temperature. But I just find that for beginners, that can actually take the pressure off. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. And we have a very Didn't I Just Feed You episode today. (laughs) (laughs) Because... You know, everybody, it's January. It's still January, guys. Everyone's talking about smoothies. Yeah, right? Smoothies and salads and braises and health goals. And here we are, (laughs) ready to talk about frying. I just feel like it's a new year, new skills, right? Like I love that. I like that too, right? That's like a nice way. We're not changing you. We're not but like, let's add let's add a new like quill to your quiver. <laughs> okay, no, not that. <laughs> okay, let's add a new skill. Let's add You're a new skill. You're gonna get a new adulting merit badge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> when you say quiver, I think of like LDS, like a quiver, the quiverful movement, and like oh, the duggers. No, okay. So I we just can't. That. Okay. We can't fine. go there. Sorry. Take it back. Rewind. But new skills for the new year. We've heard from a lot of you that you're curious about frying, especially when we talk about fried chicken, which we do a lot. And we just figure like this is one of those skills that is far easier than you may think or expect. And so why not start the year off by talking about it? And also the Super Bowl's coming up. <laughs> Yeah, we like eating fried food at the Super Bowl. Here's the thing, though. This is frying doesn't have to be Super Bowl centric, although we we were thinking about the timing of this in terms of you being able to even like just fry potato chips or fry tortilla chips for your crew if you're going to watch the Super Bowl. But frying is like a very useful skill because you can do deep frying or you can do pan frying and it's beyond just like donuts and french fries there's a lot of really delicious food to come out of the fryer but i think people are afraid of it yeah because it's like hot oil and you hear horror stories about it bubbling over and like people burning themselves and then 
I think people feel like it's messy, not only from like a splatter on the stovetop standpoint, but also what to do with the oil after they mm-hmm. are done frying. So I think we should walk through all of that. I think it's helpful to have a little bit of a like frying toolkit too. Like yeah. if you even if and here, when we say toolkit, I'm not really we're not going to ask you to buy a bunch of things that you don't already have. It's utilizing things that are already in your kitchen so that you can fry safely and also more deliciously. Like having the right oil temperature makes a difference in your results. And then I think we should talk about recipe ideas. But I want to start at the beginning and ask, truly, Stacey, how often do you fry? Like we're going into it. We're in a new year. How many times do you think you'll fry this year? Uh, That's a great question. I kind of go in fits and spurts. It depends. I tend to mostly fry chicken, Mm -hmm. uh, boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Yes. For your now famous, better than fast food, fried chicken chicken sandwich. sandwich. Because my kids love it so much. And I'll like kind of forget that it's so much better because I know people are also like, oh, but the air fryer. Yes, the air fryer definitely Mm -hmm. makes some things crispier. It is different, folks. It is different. And you just can't get the same result. So, you know, I'll forget that it's so worth it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It feels like such work. And it's just for a chicken sandwich. And then I'll do it because the boys will be like, please. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. This isn't that hard. And this is so delicious. And then I'll do it a couple of times in a row. You know what I mean? Yes. Because you'll get on a little jag. Yeah. Like, All right. We're totally. fine now. So I don't know, like probably like six. Okay. For the year. I don't, I'm just guessing. What about you? I would say about the same. You know, now I wrote about how to fry a turkey for the yep. kitchen.com. And for many years when I worked for Alton Brown, we fried turkeys a lot because that was kind of like his thing. He had this whole little rig that he built and probably copy wrote or patented in some capacity so like frying turkey is a thing that happens every fall for us now and then i think when you're like frying a turkey you should just also fry other things like even from frozen french fries and then i love to make my grandmother's cake donuts like once or twice a year they're very nostalgic for me and so i'll then but then like when you fry donuts it's not the same thing as frying like super flavorful, heavily spiced chicken. And so you can kind of like reuse the oil for a yeah. little bit. And so then that's when I'm like, okay, like what else are we are we going to fry? Um, and then I think all those things are like deep frying, but I pan fry probably once a month. Yeah, you mentioned that too. I pan fry definitely at least once a month. Are we going to really talk about that? Like, are you talking when you say pan fry... Are you talking about like shallow frying? Because I think of pan frying as just being like a light to medium coating of oil versus shallow oil, which might only, you know, come up like an inch or so. But like you're still using glug, 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 glug oil. You just like aren't necessarily fully submerging. I am a glug, glug, glug girly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I don't shallow fry that often. I'm either like doing a light oil in my pan and like when I say I'm pan frying chicken cutlets, that's just like a fairly light coating. Oh, yeah. See, I like for like a chicken schnitzel or or some kind of fried cutlet like that or even like zucchini fritters. I like like a solid inch of oil in the pan. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing that a lot. Okay. Can you talk about the benefits of why you do that versus just like 
frying yeah, pan. Yeah, it's the same. It's like the crispy factor, right? So when you're shallow frying, you are covering most of the food that you're shallow frying, whether it's like chicken pieces or vegetable patties or whatever. You're covering not just like the one side that's touching the surface of the pan, but also like up the edges. And you get this advantage over deep frying where you get moisture release from the top of the food because it's not submerged. And so you're able to like just get really crispy edges. And for things like fritters, whether they're veggie fritters or sweet fritters, you're using less oil, but you're getting that crispy factor and you're just getting all those like frilly, crepey, crispy edges that I love so much. And I don't think like a cup or two cups of oil is like that difficult to deal with. So I don't mind doing it over like a couple tablespoons. Got it. Yeah, I definitely don't do it. It's interesting. I feel like I get good crisps, but you write about the like very frilly edge, like the detail of the crisp isn't quite the same when you're just doing a tablespoon or two of yeah. oil. And it also really just quite honestly depends on my bandwidth. Like sometimes I will just do a pan fry, like just a couple tablespoons of oil because the, I don't. I just don't want to deal with any little mess or any little cleanup. And it yeah, doesn't totally. really matter. It's like a quick weeknight meal. And then sometimes I'm like really craving that thing and I'm I'm willing to use more oil and, and deal with it. I will say that if you just use a couple of tablespoons in your pan frying, you can always finish. It's not going to be the same. It's just adding a little extra crisp. It's not going to be the same as getting those edges and like really having it fry in some oil. But you can finish in the broiler and get some like extra crisp if it's not coming out to the way you like it in your pans. Yes. 2024 is the year we're focused on finally reducing dinnertime overwhelm at Didn't I Just Feed You? And that means making grocery shopping easier and more cost effective, especially when it comes to the foods we all tend to spend the most on, like meat. Enter ButcherBox, where you can count on incredible deals on premium cuts. At ButcherBox, you can choose a curated box or customize your order of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood to stock your fridge with all the proteins you need for the week, month, or even the year at prices that are hard to come by at the grocery store. That's all your protein shopped for in one shot at great prices delivered to your door with free shipping. Just one change, switching over to ButcherBox, and you guarantee yourself fewer trips to the grocery store and savings that are hard to find at the supermarket. Dinnertime overwhelm, be gone. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y and use the code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You, to choose your free offer and get $20 off. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, 
wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures, or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Okay, but let's talk about deep frying, baby. Okay, can we start with the... The equipment and like the setup. Yeah. So I deep fry almost exclusively in a Dutch oven, but where you can use a stock pot and I have fried, deep fried in a wok. Yes. Too. The benefit of a Dutch oven is that it because it's cast iron, it has a little bit better insulation. And one of the things you're fighting against when you're deep frying is the oil temperature raising and lowering as you're putting food in and cooking food longer and then taking it out. So I just think it's such a great tool. Also for like the depth of it, you can put a lot of oil in and not have as much splatter out because you have more room. And then from a safety standpoint, if you were to have oil like boiling over, you can quickly like put the lid on and it's very heavy and a safer way to like tamp all that down. Yeah. And The temperature thing is very important, and we'll get to that later, but being able to maintain a pretty, a relatively constant temperature when you're deep frying can make the difference between something that's fried really deliciously and something that's gross. Like very greasy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like very greasy or soggy without crisp. Weird stuff happens (laughs) when you're not watching your temperature. Um, I would say if you're a beginner fryer... I really highly recommend a Dutch oven as the way to go or a pot with steep sides as opposed to starting with a wok because it's going to get a lot hotter, a lot faster. You're going to have to move faster. It's just harder in a wok. You mentioned temperature. And so the next thing that I think is essential is a deep fry thermometer. And then I also think it's really great. And again, like you might have that already because you cook candies for Christmas. But also a probe thermometer, especially if you're going to fry chicken, um, making sure that it's done properly. Having a digital probe thermometer is just the way to go. And I would recommend that it's a thermometer that you can clip on or leave in the pot the whole time. You don't want something that you're like pulling in and out of the pot. Easy to read is the name of the game here. Easy to read and to read throughout the whole process. Should we... Talk more about equipment yes. or go to oil because oil is also a temperature issue. So there's two okay. there's two paths we can I go on to stay on track. Of oil as an equipment. So I think you can talk about it here. What do you want to say about okay. oil? 
using an oil with a high smoke point is going to be great. We've been talking about maintaining a temperature. So smoke point refers to the temperature at which an oil burns. So you want ones that are going to burn at a higher temperature because when you fry, you're going to really high temperatures, right? So you don't want something that's going to start burning at a low temperature. So canola, vegetable, peanut, and corn are what I've used and what comes to mind. Did I miss anything? I think those are all the best choices for oil. Some people do like safflower oil for frying and avocado oil, but they're significantly more expensive. And we're talking about using probably a quart of oil at a minimum, which is already going to set you back seven or eight dollars. So yeah. I don't reach for those. Yeah. And put the olive oil down, folks. (laughs) Put the olive oil down. No sesame oils. No unrefined oils. Uh, That's not what we're going to use. They're just too delicate and they're going to make your fried food taste rancid. They're going to smoke up your kitchen. It's just they're going to burn your all all your other efforts are going to be lost in these oils. Okay. I think in addition to talking about um, the pot, I think retrieval of the hot food is really important. Tongs are great. Oh, yeah. But I love a spider for frying, like for getting fried foods out. And they're relatively inexpensive. You should honestly just have one for like so many other things. (laughs) So grab it, not just for frying. And then making sure that like before you even start heating up the oil, you have a landing zone for whatever you're pulling out of the fryer. So typically for fried foods, I like, we like, I'm speaking for Stacey here, like a cooling rack set over some paper towels with it in a sheet pan. So everything's contained and you have this space where, Air can still circulate around the fried food. So it's like not in direct contact with the paper towel. And then the paper towel is there to like absorb the excess oil. Yes, ma'am. And I really like to set everything up ahead of time. I feel very comfortable cooking from the hip. Like I don't always do like mise en place or anything like that. That is not the case when I'm frying because... I just like to feel prepared. It's like wok cooking and frying for me are when I'm prepared. Like I have the like station set up next to it with the sheet pan covered with the paper towels, then the rack. I have my tongs or my spider right there. I have the thermometer clipped onto my Dutch oven. It's like you want to be ready to go. It's so much less stressful that way. It is. Uh, And it's safer. And you mentioned this idea of like cooking from the hip and like Maybe you're just in your day clothes and maybe you're barefoot in your kitchen. This is not the time for that. (laughs) Tell them. You need an apron on. You need shoes. You need your feet covered. Yes. For frying. Even just for like the tiniest bit of splatter. You will regret having bare feet or having sandals on. Yep. Um, And then I think having some sort of like heat. I say heat proof glove, but even like an oven mitt. So if you're having to adjust the thermometer so you can look at it a little better or like move it out of the way, you're just safely covered. And in the like worst case scenario of you're having to put the lid on to contain a boil over of some kind, you have protection. Yes. Now, you said we wouldn't require people to buy anything new, which is true. But I am going to ask you, do you use a splatter guard? Because some people may not have a splatter guard. And do you think it's essential? I do not own one. I don't either. <laughs> I don't think it's essential. 
Um, I do know that there are people, I am not one of them, who like to, in their setup, like cover a lot of their work surface and their stovetop with aluminum foil to make cleanup easier. Oh, wow. So maybe you want to make sure you have aluminum foil in some capacity. I don't know. I'm not pro that. I think the more things you have in your area that you don't that are non-essential, the more like chaotic it feels and the more likely something is to go wrong. But that's just me. Yeah. And I have to say that, like, I don't know. My Dutch oven is probably the one that I use the most 12 inches across. Yeah. And I'll do two chicken thighs at a time. It's not a lot. Like you really don't want to overcrowd when you're frying because that's going to drastically reduce the temperature of the oil and then create all that sogginess we've been talking about. We'll get into more detail in a second. But with a Dutch oven that comes up high and just doing two boneless, skinless chicken thighs at a time, I'm not going to say it doesn't make a mess, but it's not as crazy as you're expecting. Right. Like it really doesn't have to be like, oh, my God, my whole kitchen's a mess and slick down. It really isn't like that. No, it's not. Especially if you're doing it properly. Like we're talking about like the right temperature. Your food's pretty dry. You're not like adding a bunch of ice crystals into the pot. Like the boil over is very rare. And even like large volume of splatter is super rare if you're frying properly. Yes. And some people will say, like, I've seen rules. Bon App says, like, make sure they're at least three inches from the top of the surface of the oil to the top of the pot so that when it bubbles up, it doesn't bubble over. That always just works out for me. Like, I've never actually put that into use. But if you don't have a big Dutch oven, like, be mindful of that. It will bubble and it will pop a lot. Anything else before we get into actually starting to fry? No, I think this is great. You sort of articulated it already. At this point, you have all your equipment out. You're properly dressed. Your oil's in your pan. And then we're going to turn the pan on because it's going to take some time to preheat. Yes. And what temperature are we trying to get our... Well, I would say at a minimum like 375, especially if you have a recipe that calls for cooking at around 350 or 325, just depending on what it is. But I think there's more of a range. I think there you is. have an idea. Yeah. I do in like your brain. 365. Yeah. Uh, the range is typically like I've heard anywhere from 350 to 365 or 375. But when you're maintaining, you want to be in the 350, 360, 365 for cooking. So that's why at the beginning, you might want to go to 375 because the temperature is going to drop as you put food into the oil. Yes. But that's the zone you want to be in. Yes. Also, a heads up that like a court or more of oil is going to take 20 to 25 minutes to come up to temperature. Yeah. So let's talk about this because I can get my oil going and then start like seasoning my chicken. Yeah. Right. So I'll put my chicken into the buttermilk mixture like before, maybe even the night before. But if I haven't had time, like before I'm even getting anything set up. So it has at least an hour in there. But then I'll like season the flour, dredge the chicken as the oil is coming to temperature. 
But I would say that if you're just starting and you're nervous, you may want to even get your food prepped in advance. So then there is a little bit of downtime and it's a little like boring because you're like, okay, everything's prepped and ready to fry. And now I have to wait 20 minutes for my oil to come to temperature. But I just find that for beginners, that can actually take the pressure off. That's just me. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I agree with that. And I actually think some of the best foods to fry for beginners are things that you do want to prep ahead. Like maybe it's you want to try French fries for the first time, in which case we would advocate for like slicing your potatoes and soaking them overnight and then letting them air dry on the rack while the oil is coming up to temperature or things like donuts. Like you make the dough in advance and then they need to sit at room temperature for 30 minutes anyways. So you pull them out of the fridge so they can get that secondary rise. And then you'd go about setting up your fry setup and waiting for your oil to preheat. Yes. Okay. So oil is coming to temperature. Maybe you're starting to prep your food now. Maybe you've prepped it ahead of time. But should we talk about food prep? Yeah, what is there to talk about? Like, well, like talk about? batter, breadings, yes. parboiling. So some of my favorite, I obviously do chicken a lot. And for me, that's letting, we're not going to get into it now. In fact, I think we get into it during, in one of our chicken episodes. But buttermilk, people think of it as a marinade. It's not, it doesn't work the same way as a marinade, like a traditional marinade that has oil and spices and some like, perhaps some acid, vinegar, lemon juice, or something like that, soy sauce, those kinds of things are different than buttermilk because buttermilk acts on the proteins in a way that actually tenderizes the meat. So a buttermilk soak is really nice for the chicken. I'm going to tell you, for the home cook, I tested it so many times. Buttermilk for just one hour, buttermilk dip right before flouring it, buttermilk overnight, the differences are pretty nuanced. Like, let's not kill ourselves over this. But for me, it's the buttermilk bath or soak or dip or soak rather. And then flavored flour. When I deep fry, I don't often do breadcrumbs. Although I have for like a rice ball, you would want to do breadcrumbs, like an egg wash and then breadcrumbs. And then you can also deep fry in a batter and you want it to be loose, what else do you, how else do you prep the food? Well, there's like what in culinary school we would call standard breading procedure. So you're doing like seasoning on the chicken, a coating of flour, a coating of egg. And usually that's also like the flour and the egg are seasoned, but they're separate. And then you're doing either more flour or breadcrumbs or a combination of breadcrumbs and more flour. I'm with you that I think breadcrumbs work better on smaller fried yeah. things versus larger fried things. Otherwise, they have a tendency to burn. And then there is, so you're doing that, but there is also some thought that especially for things like standard breading procedure or like your buttermilk and flour, that actually like letting those things set on a sheet pan or on a wire rack while let's say while the the oil is coming up to temperature are really good for the starches in the flour 
to work totally. together with yeah. the buttermilk to make things extra crispy with the exception of things like tempura batter because tempura yeah. batter is typically made with like rice flour which is very low starch low gluten anyways and then you're adding things like club soda to it to give it sort of like that effervescence and so you want to like have your oil at temperature, mix your batter, and then like quickly dip your veggies and fry them. Not quickly fry them, but like do that procedure with a sense of urgency so that you get the best crispiness. And with veggies, I sometimes parboil. Like I love frying fennel. Mm-hmm. And I'll cut fennel crosswise so that you're getting like one and a half inch thick, let's call them steaks. I'll do, I'll parboil it just for a little bit to make it fork tender because it's not going to stay in the oil long enough to cook all the way through without then the batter burning. So I'll parboil it, I'll let it cool, and then I'll batter it and then I'll fry it. And it's really yummy. Can you just say, I think we know what parboiling is, but like for someone who's brand new to it, just real quick overview. Par is stands for partial. So parboiling is you're just boiling it partially. You're not boiling it all the way through. You're not cooking it all the way through. You're just partially boiling it till it's like just fork tender because it's going to continue cooking in the hot oil. So between the parboil and the frying, both which both of which are quick cooks, you're going to get the fennel to cook all the way through. I would do that with cauliflower too, like tempura cauliflower. Yes. Um, not if you cut small enough florets or thin enough steaks, you'll be fine. But I like it. Like I like my fried fennel to be like, I want to use a like knife on it. It'll be nice and soft and tender. But like I want it to be thick. Uh, typically parboiling, you also like throw the food in an ice bath right after. So you like boil it for a minute or two and season water and then you throw it in like a mixture of ice water and then take it out to like drain off the moisture. You sometimes see this with French fry recipes too, that people will parboil French fries. You can also like fry French fries at like a lower temperature, like 325, pull them out. So then they're like cooked through, but they're not golden and crispy yet. And then pull them out, drain them, and then increase the oil temperature and put them back in in batches until they get super crispy. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, 
A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Stacy, do you ever think about the emotional nourishment you are giving your family? Um, it sounds like I should. Kids and parents need to learn to manage big feelings, and I've learned so much from the podcast Fluster Clucks. Fluster what? Fluster Clucks. It's this really funny podcast from anxiety expert Lynn Lyons and her sister-in-law Robin, helping families manage anxiety and other tough feelings. It's just as helpful for adults as it is for kids. Like how we talk about easy meals and snacks, Fluster Clucks gives tips to improve the family's connection and emotional literacy. Oh, it sounds really cool. But I have a question. Is it full of psychobabble? No, totally the opposite. Robin and Lynn talk about this stuff with humor and real language. Their tagline is even serious stuff without being too serious. I love that each episode offers tips for kids, teens, and adults about managing anxiety, anger, disappointment, you name it. Teach your kids to manage their worry and other tough feelings, and don't be surprised when you learn something too. Subscribe to Fluster Clucks wherever you're listening now. Okay, so we've prepped our food. Yes. Now we want to put it in the hot oil. Yes. You're going to do it very slowly and carefully. Yes. <laughs> it is no, we're not throwing anything nope. in. We're not dropping. This is a great, when it's great to have the spider or some like long tongs where you can just very gently add things. Yeah. And you don't want to overcrowd. So we talked about temperatures. We keep saying we're going to talk about it. But you want the oil to maintain a temperature all the way through. Your recipe should indicate, you know, for chicken, it's usually like, again, you don't want it to go below 350. You want to be in that 360, 365 range is what I have found is best. So every time you add something new to the oil, the temperature is going to drop. So you want to add things slowly you want to just like not rush and just throw a whole bunch of things all in at once, like put it in. I like to just give it a second or two, put the second piece in and don't overcrowd. Make sure that there's room for movement all around and that things won't get like stuck together because they're crowded in there. Yeah. So there's so many reasons not to overcrowd. You you hit on them when we were talking about oil like the safety thing, you're not bubbling over. You're going to keep your oil temperature more steady, but you're also going to get like much better, more even browning and crisping. Um, and then it's also like more manageable. There's no more terrifying experience than when you have like too many fritters in the pan and you can't and you're like, oh, they're all done at the same yeah, time. Totally. I can't get them out. And you're like end up with some that are a little bit overcooked. Yeah. I mean, those are very delicate things. But yes, and they, and like things will also stick together when they're frying. You know, you want things to have like full coverage. You want oil to be able to touch every part of the surface of everything you're frying. So if they're like butting up against each other, you're going to get a soggy spot. Yeah. Can we talk about this? Because there will be things too that will float like fritters and yes. donuts. And some things you can flip, like turn over either with your tongs, your spider, or even like a fish spatula. But there are some things where you just like as things are frying and moving around, if you just put a little like use your tool and sort of like help them submerge yes. they'll get evenly browned that way as well i definitely flip especially if you're doing a whole bunch of stuff the oil will start to cook down a little bit so i'll like start to flip the chicken thighs yeah as well 
Now you're looking for golden brown deliciousness. It's the <laughs> best part. You're like, oh, look the at that The glory color. of frying. It's so good. It's so yes. satisfying. But there are some things like chicken where it might, like, it looks good on the outside. And how do you know when it's done on the inside? And can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I feel like a good recipe will tell you how long and that will be reliable. Some of it, if not, it's like some of it is like, let's say you're just like cooking your grandma's recipe and she just had some notes and you're like a pretty accomplished cook. It's a little bit of not guesswork, but like experience. Um, but if you're maintaining the right temperature consistently, the cook time for each cut of meat should be fairly consistent. In the case of chicken, it might look a little darker than you think. That's okay. Like, mm-hmm. don't be afraid of the golden brown. It's not, we, we don't have to go for just like, oh, it just turned golden brown. Like, let me pull it out right away. Like a nice deep golden brown, especially when you're cooking meat. But then also you're going to check the temperature. Like every other time you cook chicken, I want you to check the temperature. So, you know, they say 165 is cooked chicken. We've talked about this before. I go 150 to 155 for chicken thighs for dark meat. So I'll take it out as long as it registers at at least 150, 155. I'll let it sit and I'll know that it's going to raise up to 165 and be perfectly cooked. Yes. Things like fritters or I'm thinking of like hush puppies too where yeah. it's like a little bit of a batter and it's hard to know. Yeah. You can always sacrifice one and see what the inside is like. But as a general rule for baked goods, you're trying to hit 190 to 200 degrees to make sure that the eggs are properly cooked yes. and the batter is set. Mm, I want everything now. <laughs> this is a really good episode. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now we're done. Evacuate it. Yeah. I would say we're not done because uh, we want to pull things out and put that on that cooling rack and we want to give them proper time to cool. In the case of chicken, you mentioned this idea of there's going to be some carryover cooking. And also because shit's just hot coming out of the pan. <laughs> You're not going to be able to eat it right away. So you want to let it cool for like, what, five to 10 minutes, depending yeah. on how big it is. I also think seasoning I right after the fryer. Say, immediately while it's hot. Whether it's fries, whether it's fried chicken, doesn't matter. What fritters, yes, still, even though there's salt in the batter. Yes. And then some sweet things like donuts, depending on the recipe. Some people like to glaze donuts while they're still warm. So then you get like a super thin coating. Mm. Some people (laughs) do the thin initial coating, let things cool, and then do a secondary coating. So you get like... Double your pleasure, double your fun. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there is a little bit of work after you've taken things out of the fryer. But then you have hot oil. And what do you like to to do with hot oil? I'm going to tell you, but can we take a step back? Because I realize there's one little thing that we didn't talk about. Okay. Which is skimming in between. Mm. Because when you fry bits are going to come off, breadcrumbs are going to like start to burn in there, flour, a batter is going to peel off and fry away. So I, I don't think that it's a big deal, but like, it depends how much you're frying. Like if you're frying like eight chicken thighs, it's definitely going to get like dark and there are going to be bits all over the place. So you can just simply skim that away. That's another time when the spider is really, really useful. And your 
oil may, depending on how much oil you used in the first place, your oil may cook down. I also went in the beginning, I would like you to pay attention to the oil temperature between batches. It may need a little time to come back up to that 365, 375 starting point. And I have had cases where I've had to add more oil in like the middle or towards the end of batch cooking. So those are just some notes on what to do between batches. Yes. Okay. But now we've pulled everything out. We've seasoned it and we have this oil and we need to get rid of it. I tend to just let it cool in the pot and then pour it into a can or carton and then get rid of it. I'm normally frying chicken and then I'm not reusing that oil, to be honest. But I've seen like the coffee filter over a jar and like filtering the oil and then being able to reuse it. What do you do with your oil? Well, it depends, too, on like the volume of oil that's left. But I have in the past done exactly what you're talking about, where you let it cool completely and then honestly, like typically pour it back into the oil bottle once it's cooled, like funnel it in there. And then um, is that like when you're doing donuts or something or you mean like an empty oil bottle? Like not to reuse it, to get rid of it, like the empty oil bottle. I got it, got it, got it. Like I've only used that one quart or two quart bottle and I can just dispose of it that way. You can find recycling places for oil near you, but it's like super inconsistent. Not a lot of municipalities have it. Um, So typically I just throw it away that way. But in the last like 18 months, I was introduced to this product. It's called Fry Away. Yes, you mentioned it. There are multiple, like there are other brands that do it. And I did a little bit of research for a story for Simply Recipes at the beginning of this year. This sort of idea, or maybe it was for Kitchen. Now I can't remember because they're competitors. (laughs) 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 But it's essentially like it is a type of fat in and of itself. And so when you add it to the oil, it polymerizes, which is like what happens when you cure a cast iron pan too, or season a cast iron pan is like you're causing the oils to become plastic. Mm. And so it creates this hard shell. But what happens with the fry away product is you add it to the hot oil. And then as the oil cools, it solidifies in this way where you can like literally take a spatula and like run it around this puck of oil and throw this puck of oil into your trash. Amazing. It is a cost. And when we're talking about like you're already buying oil and then you're spending, you know, 10 to $12 on a pack of fry away. But like if you're only frying once or twice a year and the oil disposal is the blockage for you, I think it's a sound investment. Yeah, I love that. I forgot you showed us an Instagram. I did, didn't I? Because it was like in it. a weird video way. Yeah, loved yeah. it. Um, okay, so I I don't want to get that like much more in depth because I feel like this is about like demystifying frying and just kind of walking people through the steps. But I do think we should mention some recipes. Yes, uh, Stacy Bills is. Better than fast food fried chicken sandwich. That's number one. I have what I think is a very good fried chicken recipe on the kitchen for just like almost KFC style. Like there's lots of seasoning in it. There's a little bit of egg white and cornstarch situation. So it makes it super crispy. 
I, I did so puppies. much on that. I did so much research on that. I tried the like so, potato starch, corn starch. Like, yes. So interesting. Okay. Hush puppies. Do you have a recipe? I don't. I honestly, it's like when we go to Alabama, there's like a little seafood place and you buy the hush puppy mix and then you add the like buttermilk and egg to it and you fry that. Nice. <laughs> and then fritters, which I feel like we do have a veggie fritter recipe that I've shared before, but that's more of a pan fry than a deep fry. Yeah. I love to make yeast donuts. And I don't know that if I, I have shared a recipe on the kitchen before, but I've definitely shared my grandmother's cake donuts as well. And those are fried? Those are fried. Yeah. Nice. Um, what about you? Cora's. And I love frito misto. Mm. I love it so much. Like lightly battered. Again, like fennel and shrimp and like thin sliced lemon. I also love tempura. Like, again, yes. shrimp, uh, kabocha squash, mushrooms. Um, I love all of that. You know, in frito misto, I've even had herbs fried, like mm -hmm. dipped in like part flat leaf parsley, dipped in a light batter and fried. So good. You mentioned all the starch research that you did for the fried chicken sandwich. We did a ton for Alton for a tempura recipe that we developed for him. And I haven't done it in a couple of years, but that's still my go to for tempura batter. Great. We'll link to it because I love that. Yeah. I found that tempura batter is different, though. I found that for the purpose of the skinless, boneless chicken thighs, like flour was absolutely the best way to go. That's a lot of frying. And then, guys, like while you have the pot out, like grab those egg rolls from the yes. from the freezer. Freezer taquitos. Yeah, because it just hits different. <laughs> it hits different. Oh, you had mentioned at the top of the episode frying your own tortilla chips. Do you want to talk about yeah. that for a second? I mean, I, that's something that I will do in a, a shallow fry. But mm -hmm. really just cutting up corn tortillas into quarters and right at that like 365 temperature, frying them quickly. They take like less than a minute per side. I am going to share something, which is I don't think homemade fried potato chips are very good. And I don't think they're worth your time. I'd rather you invest I'm time with that. in frying French fries at home. Yeah. Do you have to. a French fry recipe that you love? I don't. I kind of just wing it every time. Yukon gold potatoes. Cut them up into fry shapes. I like to do a double fry. What about you? Yeah, same. I actually don't do French fries that much. I don't know why. I do like lemon potatoes. I'll buy frozen French fries and put them in the air fryer, which is definitely not the same. In fact, I have a bone to pick with my air fryer when it comes to... <laughs> store-bought frozen french fries like it just never comes out right so maybe i it's should just never take good the, no never never and like the salt bounces off of it at the end and is like annoying and then they're not <laughs> salty enough it's very annoying it's to me. so specific i know but it's you know it's true yes no and then my grandmother used to greeks love to fry potatoes so there are like my grandmother used to shallow fry potatoes but they're Almost between fries and potato chips. Yeah. They cut them into rounds, but pretty thin rounds, but not as thin as a chip. 
So I've done that before, and it's like very specific to like Greek. See, eating. I I can get down with that when someone when someone does like fish and chips, and that's the chip. Yeah, where it's like a yes. thicker potato. It's more like that. Yes, I can agree to that. We I mentioned donuts, but I didn't mention like beignets, which are oh, really easy. Yeah. Or churros, which are also very easy. Like you just make a batter and then you're piping it in there. Yeah, um, I've actually never done like a chur- uh, shoe dough. Yeah, Stacy. Yeah. No, you have to. Pat a shoe dough is so easy to make. You do, there is like you cook flour and yeah. water and then you yeah. like whip in eggs. But then I've you done can it for, make. What are they called? Uh, in the oven, the little puffs for the holiday. But I've done uh, gougere. Gougere, thank I've you. I've done like cheesy pâté. Yes, yeah. which same batter, fried, yeah, totally, so good, so good. But uh, funnel cake at home, yeah, dude, funnel cake with is shoe like batter, one of my favorites. Yes, <laughs> I love and funnel then cake. we have a recipe from Erin McDowell for fry bread. That's really good, and that is a shallow fry. But uh, a delicious vehicle for her recipe is like taco meat. But you could also do it um, a, like a sweeter way and then do powdered sugar over it. And it's like the fair elephant ears. I love it. And also you talking about shoe dough and churros and beignets. Greek style lukumades is also like a simple batter that you scoop in their little fried dough balls that you then soak in a honey syrup. Mm. So it's just like sugar, honey, water. You can throw a cinnamon stick in there. You can throw lemon or orange peel if you want in there. And you just let that simmer. And then you take the freshly fried dough balls and throw them in the syrup until they are like dripping and soaked through. And it's my favorite. (laughs) Fried pies. Oh, of all kinds. Pies. I've never done a fried pie. It's just like making a little hand pie, pocket pie, and then throwing it in the Totally. Yeah. So good. Somehow we went decidedly a little sweet here at the we end. We did. But <laughs> I don't know what happened. I'm going to invite anyone who's still feeling nervous about frying to come on in and join us in our Genie Just Feed You listeners community to get some help, meal yeah, ideas. Ask us questions. Like, that's the best place to follow up on any episode. Like, you can literally tag Stacy and Megan. And yes. like, will we try to read every si- and respond to every single post, but it gets hard sometimes because we busy. But if you tag us for sure and you like, ladies, like, help me out. You said this or you promised it would work and it didn't. No, <laughs> don't do that. Anyway, our free community, you can learn all about it and also learn about our supporting membership options by going to didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram where we are at didn't I just feed you. A humongous thank you to our producer, Samantha Gassick. Here we are, Sam. Another year. <laughs> Another round of didn't I just feed you. I'm Stacy and I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed. Until next week. Don't be afraid to fry. <laughs> leave us a rating and review and make sure to give it five stars and leave an epic comment. Do it. <laughs>